open up our Bibles in the book of Genesis, chapter 1. Um, <clears throat> Genesis chapter 1, it's a little loud because I keep hearing some feedback, so maybe just turn it down just a little bit, please. All right, so we're going to, that's good, thank you. We're going to start in Genesis chapter 1, where, all, where it all started, right? Because today, my go- the goal of my message today is, uh, is not just for moms, okay? But it's that also men can understand uh, our role better by understanding what's being, what, what happened in the beginning with women, okay? And so when we understand this better, we will come to the realization that um, what each gender, male and female, uh, have to do is, is incredibly important, and they're not separate entities, uh, but they're supposed to be one, okay? And so by the end of today, it's my hope that your love, appreciation, and honor for moms, uh, the, the moms of your children, your own mom, and just the women in your life would just be at a whole nother level and a whole nother understanding of what has been going on since the very, very beginning. And so I'm going to try to do my best at, at this and not, um, and not cry through this message because for some reason it's been quite emotional and I'm not a mom, you know? And so I just, um, well, I will, I, will, I will start in Genesis 1. And so Genesis uh, chapter 1 and verse 27 It says, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Okay, so God created man and woman, okay, male and female. He, he created human, male and female. So he, 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 that was his idea. There's going to be a male and a female, okay? Now we know that God is a trinity, you know, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, right? And it's the three in one, God in one. Okay, but then what happens down, we go to chapter 2 and in verse 21, uh, Genesis 2.21 says, So the Lord caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. Now we know that then what happened after that is a God formed man, okay? And so, so he formed him out of, out of the dirt, okay? And then he created all the animals and said, this guy needs some help, okay? And none of these animals are working. And so what God did <laughs> it was something amazing, right? It took longer, to come up with something this good, right? And so, <laughs> that's my version, I'm sticking with it. It says, while the man slept, the Lord God took out of one man's ribs and closed up the opening. Now, I want you to know what really, what really means in this, in this text right here is he took out half of, of man, half of what's in, in there, because he created male and female. So he pulled out half of man, okay, and he created woman, okay? It said, the Lord made a woman from the rib, and he brought her to the man. At last, the man explained, um, exclaimed, this one is bone for my bone, flesh for my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man, okay? And so what happened in this moment is that the likeness and the image of God in which he created the human species was separated into man and woman. Okay? So man has half of the attributes and characteristics of God, and woman has the other half of the attributes and characteristics and likeness of God. Okay? And this happened in the very beginning. That is why later on it says... um, 
and the two shall become one, right? When they get married, the two become one. And so, again, God created man in his likeness and image, male and female, he created them. And when he formed man, and then he formed the woman, he separated half of God's image and likeness into man, and the other half of God's image and likeness into woman, okay? And so what happens is that in marriage, through the unity of marriage, of the two becoming one flesh, now you have the complete picture of the whole likeness and image of God. Are you with me? Okay? You understand why marriage is so important and so powerful and so crucial that it's only between a man and a woman. Because that's the only way you get the full likeness and image of God. That's the only way. I'm sorry, but two men in a marriage, that's just double trouble, double stupid. If we don't understand how it all started, how can we make sense out of, you know, everything that's going on now in our days, you know? How can we value and appreciate fully the purpose of man and women if we don't understand how it started? See, the things that you think are weaknesses from her are not weaknesses. It's the things that are your strengths. And the things that you're weak in, it's not your weaknesses, is her strengths. You just don't have that part of God. She just doesn't have that part of God. But God didn't make either one weaker. He made them so that through a covenant relationship, they could be complete. I'm not saying that if you're single, you're incomplete. I'm not saying that. But what I'm saying is that the plan of God, the perfect plan of God, was that man and woman would come into a covenant marriage relationship and represent fully the image and the likeness of God. Are you with me or are you offended? I don't think anybody in this place is offended. It's like preaching to the choir. But the point of all of this is so that we need to understand how it started from the beginning. Okay, what, what happened? Why, why are we different? And, 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 and why is marriage so powerful and so important? And so this obviously, you know, today is going to be more about, uh, about the woman and understanding that part. You know, it says in Genesis chapter 3, so, so we know what happened after, right? Um, they're both... And naked and unashamed in the Garden of Eden, right? Everything perfect. Everything perfect and amazing. And the devil comes, right? And deceives Eve, you know? And um, so if we go to chapter 3, if you have your Bible, just open it up in um, chapter 3 and then verse 1. We'll just, we'll just start in verse 1. It says, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals. So the Lord... That the Lord God had made. It says, one day he asked the woman, uh, the serpent, okay, the devil. says, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? So it's just a question, right? But it's a question that is sowing what? Doubt. Did God really say you must not eat from that, right? He didn't come and just straight up, like he was 
deceiving. Like the way he said it, you know, it's like, did, did he really say that? You know, did he really say you shouldn't do that? You know, it, it, it all starts with that doubt. Are you really good enough? Are you really, you know, I think you, no. You know, it, it always starts with, with that doubt, right? And it says, of course we may eat from the fruit of the trees in the garden. The woman replied, it's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. And if you do, you will die. It says, you won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. And verse 6 says, the woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave them to, some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. And their eyes were open, and suddenly they felt shame and nakedness. Now, if we go down um, to verse 15, we know, we know what happens. They went and they hid, because sin will always cause shame, and shame will cause you to hide and to pull away and to disconnect, right? But then, you know, God comes in the picture, you know, he finds them. And, um, and actually, verse 14 says, Then God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly, groveling dust as long as you live. And now check this out. Verse 15 says, And I will cause hostility, okay, or enmity between you, the serpent, the devil, okay, and the woman. And between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head. Who is he? He is the offspring of the woman. Will strike the head of the devil. Okay, so it was already speaking about what Jesus was going to do on the cross. Okay, but not just Jesus. Okay, he was talking about all of humanity, because see, humans had something that the devil wanted all along, which was that humans were made in the likeness and image of God. The devil wasn't. The angels are not made in the likeness and image of God. Humans were given earth to have dominion over it. God created earth like, hey, here, have this. Take care of this. This is yours. Have fun with it. You know, he blessed them and he told them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. It's yours. Go ahead. You know, paint it whatever color you want. But not the devil. Angels, didn't, angels don't have that, right? So the, the devil's always been jealous from the very beginning of what humans, us as humans, had. And so that's why he came and deceived Eve, right? Because he's not happy that they have what he wants. He's always wanted what we have. And so, so it says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Then he said, okay. So what happened here, okay, is that from the very beginning, okay, from the very, very, very beginning, right here, with the first two humans, there was a, a battle that started between the devil and women. Okay? The arch enemy of the devil is women. God gave women so much power and so much authority that they would be the devil's headache until the day he goes to the lake of fire. Like always. That's it. Women are the enemy of number one enemy of the devil. And 
from women, obviously, came Jesus, who completely defeated the devil, right? And gave us all power and dominion, right, in his name. Set us free from the power of sin. Gave us a new covenant. Listen, if it wasn't for women, there'd be no more humans. So the enemy, okay. If the human race is your number one enemy, and there's billions of them, you know, and at a great rate, many of them are finding out, you know, about the gospel and what Jesus did and that they're set free and that they're powerful and that they don't have to be victims and they have power over the enemy and that they can take dominion and authority over the earth that God initially gave us. And humans are finding this out more and more and more. And there's billions of them. And humans are your number one enemy. How do you destroy them? Think about it. You got to think like a villain, right? Like, say that really good cops know how to think like criminals, right? right? Well, so, you know, if, if you're a superhero, you know, you got to think like a villain. So, you know, how would, if you were that villain, like, you can't go one, one by one. That, that's too long. What would you do? You go to the source. You go to women. You oppress them. You lie to them. Same, lines for, same lies from the very beginning when they were in the garden, when Eve was in the garden, and he comes and he starts sowing doubt because he knows that women are incubators by nature. So he comes and he sows a little bit of doubt. Did God really say that? I mean, if he had said that to Adam, he probably wouldn't even heard. But see, what we say to women are seeds, right? And so in the beginning, that's how he got her. He sowed a seed of unbelief, right? And it led to sin. And so how do you destroy the human race? Well, you go to the source and you attack and you oppress women and you lie to women and you just spit out as many lies as possible, as much doubt as possible. And all of a sudden, you have a society of women who all believe they're not enough. And if a woman doesn't believe she's enough, she will become self-centered and consumed by just trying and trying and trying and trying better and trying more and trying every day to become, just like in Genesis 1, see, the devil came and said to her, did God really say that? But see, the devil sold her something that she already had. She was already made in the likeness and image of God. And the devil comes and he's like, oh, the problem is if you, dis- if you eat of that fruit, then you'll be like God. Wait a minute. She already was like God. She was already like God. She already had his attributes and characteristics and, and, and likeness and image of God. But he comes and sows his doubt, right? And he's been doing it ever since. Because if he could keep women thinking they're not enough, not good enough moms, not good enough wives, not pretty enough, not thin enough, not smart enough, not important enough, not influencing enough, not contributing enough, not strong enough, 
If he could keep them thinking on that, he will be selling to them their whole lives something that they already had. God already created you everything that you needed for this life. He already gave you everything he ne you needed for this life. You're already beautiful, important enough, and terribly scary for the devil. You already are those things. But how many women every day, even from young age, right, are always trying and trying and trying to live up to this comparison thing? When we were never, ever, ever meant to compare ourselves with anybody else. Never. We're each uniquely created. Like there's not, no one else has ever existed with your thumbprint, with your eye scan. And we can go on and on and on about all the things that are unique about us, right? Our DNA. Like everything about us is unique. So why would we ever try to be copying somebody else and spending that time, that energy, that effort, the, the emotions and, and everything just trying to be someone you were never created to be? You can never be like somebody else. You can only be like you. See, but that's the lie of the enemy because if we believe that, then we will spend our whole lives trying to be somebody else and we will never be us and do what we were called to do. Nobody can run your race on this life. Nobody can raise your children. Nobody can be the wife to your husband. Nobody can, you know, nurture like you can. Nobody, nobody can do the things that you can. Nobody else, even if it's another woman, they cannot do it like you. You know, we say this even like from, from, from the church leadership aspect. It's like, you know, I'm the pastor, but there's people in your life that only you will have the opportunity to reach and to speak into their lives. Like nobody else has the influence that you have over certain people and in certain circles. We're unique. And until we understand that God loved us so that we can love ourselves too, just as we are, you know, we're going to live under this stress of always trying to be something, someone different than we are created to be. Listen, I'm not saying don't do your hair. I'm not saying don't use makeup. I'm not saying don't, I'm not saying any, any of those things. But you know when there's things inside of you that you look at yourself and you think of yourself, you're like, oh man, I wish I was like that. I wish I was like this. You guys with me? So the women, is women are dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. And so, you know, it's been his agenda from the very beginning. This is my arch enemy. I got to destroy her. I got to oppress her. I have to lie to her, right? Just like I did in, at the tree of the Garden of Eden. But now I also have to, you know, keep her in this cycle of trying, 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 performing, 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 right? And, um, and let's just see in how many other ways we can oppress women. You know that woman has been oppressed since, you know, ancient culture. Oppress and objectify. Men are not objectified like women are. Why? Because if we could just shrink women down to an object, it has no value. It's just a thing. 
right? But society loves to objectify women. So they'll use women for everything, for selfish ambition and selfish reasons and everything. Why? Because women are dangerous when they know who they are. Um, let's go to uh, Luke chapter 15. Hmm. Never mind, I don't have time for Luke chapter 15. <laughs> okay, say this with me. Women are equally powerful but distinctly different. Okay, women, this is what you need to understand. We're not more powerful than you. We're not even stronger than you in some ways, you know. We might have more strength in certain parts of our body, but let me tell you guys, like, especially those that have seen your children be born. Do I need to say anything else? I mean, <laughs> like, I don't think I would ever have not even the mental strength to go through something like that. But women can they're incredibly strong, and they're incredibly powerful. And so it's not that we're better, or they're better, or we're stronger, or they're weaker, or anything like that. It's we're equally powerful, but distinctly different. Because we were given different attributes from the likeness and the image of God. So that when we come into a marriage, we have it all. You know, now I understand better than ever what my dad meant when he said, like, the most powerful thing you're going to enjoy in marriage is the agreement of the two of you because you will be unstoppable. And at that time, I was doing pretty amazing things by myself. I'm like, really? <laughs> that would be crazy, you know? Like, and actually, what's one of the things that most excited me? I'm like, I got to be honest, right? It was not the only thing that excited me, but... But it was right up there, number two. I was like, man, like, like we're, like, we're going to conquer the whole world, like together in agreement. So what is the other thing that the devil will want to do is we will want to destroy marriage at any cost. Because if these two get together, it's just like having God. Blasphemy. No, calm down. God is God, Okay. But he gave us that power and he said, and if you two come into agreement, like you, you become one flesh, right? And, and now you have, you know, every aspect of my likeness and image, like you can do anything. Like men, human, uh, men and women, like they were so in agreement when they were building the Tower of Babel that God said, oh, they're going the wrong direction, but there's nothing they can't do at this pace because they were in agreement. One language. So if what you've done on your own is pretty powerful, married in agreement with your spouse, I mean, it's, it's uh, exponentially greater. Not, it's, not, it's not a, you know, one plus one. It's a, you know, one plus one is a thousand. That's what it's like with marriage in agreement. Okay, so women, you're already beautiful, important enough, and terribly scary for Satan and the kingdom of darkness. And the devil doesn't want you to know that, okay? Uh, marriage is the, the other place where uh, we get exponentially stronger. Okay, so what, 
one of the ways, um, you can look this up later on Luke chapter 15, verse 8 to 10, you know, these are parables of God, of what God is like to people, like, right, uh, like the parable of the sheep, the lost sheep, and, and, um, and, and different parables where God is exemplified, you know, as, as the one going to find the one. Well, in the parable of the lost coins in Luke 15, it's a woman who lost um, who had 10 silver coins and loses one, and she goes and look, looks for one, right? So interesting that God is personifying himself here as a, yeah, say it. What? That's right. He is. Interesting, right? Why? Because God is both. Only God can be both. We'll let that sit for another minute. So um, something that continued to happen is the oppression of women. And even in the Jewish culture, okay, women were extremely oppressed. And when the law came and all that stuff, you know, there was more laws about oppressing women than anything else, anybody else. And the religious, right, they made sure that they made it clear they were superior than women, Okay. So women were very oppressed. The religious people oppressed them. So you want to know who was the, the first leader of the liberation of women movement? Jesus. Jesus was the first one. If you start reading the Gospels in this perspective, you'll start seeing that Jesus came... And a lot of the things they were mad at him for was for hanging out with women, for speaking to women, for talking to them, for letting them sit with him. Even sinful women. See, in, in, in Luke chapter 4, it says, um, verse 18, that Jesus came to set the captives free and, and, and the oppressed, right, to set them free. You know who were the most oppressed there? Who? Yeah. Women were the most oppressed, even in the Jewish culture. So when Jesus came, he's like, no, like, <laughs> this whole thing is messed up. It was never supposed to be this way. And that's why we're so messed up. <laughs> we're missing on a lot because <laughs> women are so oppressed. In other words, we can't expand the kingdom of God and we cannot even represent them well in a culture where women are oppressed like that. And so he comes and he starts, you know, liberating women and empowering women and, and having women being close to him and talking to women that he shouldn't be talking because of the law. Not, I mean, we're talking about God. God knew that he could talk to women. Right? So it was all these religious things and then... Society continues to do these things, right, for years and years. But in religious places, I mean, how many, how many churches still today don't allow women on the pulpit? It's stupid. What are they so scared of? I'll tell you what they're scared of. 
Actually, I'll tell you another time. <laughs> but you can imagine, I mean, it's, it's only insecurity. It's only like, you know. And, and why do we have this insecurity? Because for some reason, men think that women can't be powerful because if they're powerful, it means that I'm not powerful. And that's a lie. Because if my wife is powerful, it means that I'm more powerful. Because we're one. Are we kicking some sacred cows? So women have been oppressed, right? And now the biggest deception pulled a new one, right? A new move in the last few years or whatever has been going on, right? Because... Society and, 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 okay, it's all the devil. It's all the enemy's thoughts because, again, he's the arch enemy of women, right? He's scared of women because women keep producing humans. And all these humans have the ability and the power to be greater, more powerful than the devil and the enemy, right? And so the devil is now using uh, what we call it reverse psychology, <laughs> right? So Jesus comes and he really sets the oppressed free, which most of those in that time, you know, oppressed by society and rules and, and religion were women, right? So he sets them free. You know, he gives them a place, you know, a, a couple of them. I mean, the woman at the well, like she's one of the first evangelists and Jesus empowered this woman to go and now change a whole village, right? And, and you know that uh, two of Jesus' number one financial supporters were women, and so Jesus comes and sets women free, all of us free, of course, but, you know, the ones that were more oppressed were women, so he sets them free, he empowers them, right? And we see that through the whole word in the, in the Bible and in Jesus' life. And then, um, so the enemy comes and he starts this new idea that, that he's also for women. Because he's going to use some reverse psychology, right? Women are getting too strong, so let me now... So some more lies, you know, and tell them that if they're really free, then they can do whatever they want. I mean, they, they should be able to do the same things that men are doing. Why not? Why not? I mean, why? Because you're a woman? You should be doing the same things that the man is doing. Right? So the devil comes in with this condescending, you know, doubt and tone and starts sowing this stuff into women. Right? should be able to do whatever you want with your body. If you don't ever want to have babies, don't have babies. Don't have babies. I'm reading the room. <laughs> right? Don't have babies. You know, men, men don't have to have babies. Why do you have to have babies? You're free, right? You're really free. It's your right. Be a career woman. Why not? Men do it. Oh man, this is like quieter than a cemetery right now. Where am I going with this? I don't know, I'm getting a little scared. Bob, you got my back, right? <laughs> mm. And so he, the, the devil starts throwing this, you know, this thing that appears for women, but it's actually not for women. It's to 
defeminize them and to turn them into men. Why? Because he's scared of women. Why do you think uh, women tend to attend church first? Why do you think um, women are in most, you know, I'm so thankful for Carlos. This is definitely, you know, an example of a man. But what do you think most intercession and prayer ministries are women? Because they have things that men don't. And they are powerful. And they're scary to the kingdom of darkness. And they're scary to the devil. So you know what? The devil's going to come and is going to try to destroy that. And be like, no, no, no. You get to do whatever you want. You don't want to have babies? You don't have babies. You want to just do the same things that men do? Go ahead and do the same things that men do. You are free. You're really free. So in the name of freedom... The devil is vouching for women to turn into men, right? Whether it's psychologically, emotionally, or nowadays even physically. Because the less women, the better for him. The less women, the less humans will be around. Okay? The less women, the less of the fullness of God will have going around. Are you following me? Okay? So don't be offended. Okay? Things I'm saying, like, this is, this is real stuff. Problem is, that will never satisfy a woman, actually. You know, women, women can, uh, don't get me wrong. Like, if God, uh, uh, has told you, like, that's your purpose, you know, to be a career woman and to be a CEO of a company, then that's your purpose. That's fine. The problem is when, when women start doing things out of the motive of, like, uh-huh, I'm going to do what men can do because I am just as powerful. It's like, you've always been equally powerful, but you also are distinctly different. You know, when we try to be someone else, it's never going to work out for us, and we're never going to be really satisfied. I could try to be like another pastor and try really hard and be real successful at it, but I will never be satisfied. I will never really be in full joy and peace because I have gone against what God put inside of me to be, which is just me. I will have a cognitive dissonance, dissonance inside, which is hypocrisy inside of me. So even if a woman says, yes, I did it and I got to, be, because let me tell you, they can. They're so powerful. Women can. I mean, they, they can run the country. They can do all the things that man can. They can because they're powerful. But the question is, is it what God designed them to do and to be? Because raising children, having babies, and doing the things that a mother was created by God to be, not defined by society, but created by God to be, is incredibly powerful. And men cannot do it. Even though some, oh God. I mean, just how stupid can it get? 
Okay, I've seen some crazy things recently about men trying to have babies. Okay. We all know that that's ridiculous. It's not even worth talking about that. But do you see how twisted it is? Because all of a sudden we have this gender disconnection. Okay, and gender disconnection is really dangerous because it's the seeds and it's the place where it all starts. Okay, where... Oh, I'm out of time. I have to be really careful that, that I preface this by saying this is not an attack against anyone. And all of us who are in Christ, we're new creations. There's no condemnation. So your past, like your past is your past. You're a new creation in Christ Jesus. So none of this is, not, none of what I'm saying is to condemn anyone. It's for us to understand and value in case of today, women, how powerful they are. And for women to understand, I am so powerful, you know, and yes, my biggest desire is to have babies, and I'm not going to feel bad about it because I want to be a stay-at-home mom and raise my children because you were created with that desire inside of you, but society has brainwashed you so much, and the devil has lied so much, and like, are you really just supposed to do that? Is that really enough? I don't think that's enough for you. I don't think that's powerful enough. Let me tell you something. If Without women, we wouldn't be populating the whole world. Like, there'd be no more life, Period. So it's not like, oh, pastor is so stereotypical, like, you know, he probably just believes that women should stay home, raise children, and men should go out and work and protect them. <sighs> Listen, if God called you and put a desire in you to be a businesswoman, be a businesswoman. But don't betray the desires in your heart when it's time or a different season, or you go, you know what? I want to be a mom. I want to raise kids. You know what I'm saying? We do so many things in our life out of reaction to society. And society is being led by the devil himself. Okay? And so we need to go back and realize, like, wait a minute. You know, if I'm not feeling like being a mom and I'm feeling like I want to be a different, you know, do the things that men do or, or, or whether it's just doing those things or whether it's actually changing my gender, like... Uh, there's got to be something going on in my heart or a lie that I'm believing that I probably need to get to before changing everything else. Because God created women so amazing. Like, let me tell you, there's nothing to brag about on this side. Like, just, <laughs> you guys are so amazing. Oh, gosh. Gender disconnect is when, uh, especially at an early age, um, we st there, there's a narrative that starts gathering evidence for why I am not satisfied with the gender I am, you know. Uh, gender disconnect can go as far as, and, and again, please, please don't be offended by this, okay? But, because this is just an example, Okay? When, when we try to control our bodies to not do what they were created to do, we start participating or experiencing gender disconnect. Okay? So... 
So even, even, oh, maybe I shouldn't say this. Just say it, and then you'll be like, I ain't going back there anymore again. <laughs> Listen, I, okay, so I, there's many different reasons why, why a woman would go on the pill, the contraceptive pill, okay? But if it's just to be able to have sex with whoever, whenever, without having to worry about getting pregnant, that's gender disconnection. Because your body was supposed to get pregnant when you have sex because you'd be, you would be married. So that's just one way in which we can start disconnected with our own bodies in what they're supposed to do. Because we try to control it. And then there's many other reasons and many other things that, you know, that we'll start doing and saying, you know what, you're a woman, but you don't, you know, you don't want to do what women do or have what women have or, or any of that stuff. And, and so we start trying to control our bodies so that they don't do what they were created to do. And I know that you women are thinking probably like, well, easier for you to say you're a man, right? Well, men have other things to do, which is control their sex drive until the day they get married, you know? <clears throat> and we're not even going to talk about abortion right now, you know, but, but that's also another way of gender disconnection. It's like, oh, this is happening. I don't want it. Gone. This is happening. I don't want it. Gone. And is constantly rejecting the very thing that our bodies were created to do. And then later on, our bodies are really, really messed up. And we wonder why. And so, it's, it's not my desire to open up a can of worms right now, but you guys asked for it. And uh, <laughs> there are there many reasons and different reasons why, you know, uh, someone would, would take a pill or somebody would have an abortion and all those things. Yes, there, there can be, you know. But, but my point today is, is, is not to, you know, have those arguments. We, I think everybody here, you know, is, knows the life starts at conception, not at perception. And that um, we just need to pray for what's going on in the country, you know. And we just need to do our part, which our part really goes back to the beginning. And that's what I was talking at the beginning. It's like we need to know that how God created this is incredibly powerful, that women are equally powerful, distinctly different. They were oppressed because the devil's scared of them, right? And he's still so scared of them that he's trying to get rid of women completely in whichever way possible he can, which whatever lie works, he's trying to get rid of women. He's trying to get rid of the birthers, the incubators, the nurturers, the, the comforters. See, I offer my kids and I say, hey, come, you got hurt. Come here. Let me hug you. Let me hug you. But if mommy's available, they're going to squirm out of my arms and they're going to run to mom. And I'm like, hey, but I'm just as loving and affectionate, right? But there's something about mom that I just don't have. And instead of feeling bad about me, like this shouldn't be like this, I should be able to just be just like my wife and do the things that my wife does. 
Instead of doing that, I need to recognize and thank God that she has what I don't have. And it is so powerful. Thank God that she can birth a baby because I can't and I surely wouldn't want to. Thank God that, you know, and so I am going to bless, protect, and thank God for everything that she is that I will never be. Simply because she's a woman. It took God longer to come up with the woman. He thought it longer. Man was like, done. One dimensional. Women are like multi-dimensional. You guys, we need to understand that they are a gift to us. And we need to protect that gift. And when we don't understand them, pray. Be silent. Come back later. It's like men are just like, you know, very, very simple combination of things, you know, compared to women, compared to women, okay? And so there's just things that we can't possibly comprehend because we will never be in their bodies, you know? They have this capacity and this ability to grow a human being inside of them. So when they're moody, pray, be silent, and come back later. And if you want further explanation, sign up for the men's retreat. Women are equally powerful but distinctly different. Women, you, I just want you to know from my heart this, you know, I get, God bless, I grew up with all boys, you know, my mom was the only female in the house, you know, and, and, and I did not value enough what, you know, what that meant and what, what we had in my mom, you know, but now I have a wife and I have five children of which four are daughters. God has blessed me. He's given me an idea, a perspective I didn't have, an understanding I don't understand, but a heart to love them and adore them and protect them. Oh, I could talk about this forever. <clears throat> I could talk about this forever because it's not just my amazing wife, but it's also my daughters and every spiritual daughter in this house because if we don't protect them, who's going to protect them? The rest of the world is objectifying them and reducing them to anything that contributes to their selfish ambitions. So if we don't protect them, if we don't tell them who they are, how powerful they are and how amazing they are just as they are, who will? Who will? The world's just looking to take advantage and the devil's just looking to take them out. And so 
let's rise up and let's protect that, you know, and let's punch all the other men that are trying to just take advantage of him. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding, not kidding. Stand with me. Let me pray for you. God. Um, you know, I, I want you to know that speaking today, I w- was in fear and in tremble because, you know, it's Mother's Day. And, uh, you know, my wife is a powerful preacher, you know, and, and, and she'd normally be here, but she, it was her idea. She said, you know, you, you should speak, you know, talk about your heart for, for this. And, um, and so I, w- I want you to know that everything I said, you know, is not, there, there's not even an ounce of trying to offend anybody in there, you know, or, or to make a point, you know, there, I think, I think if you look at the word and you look at women, you make your own, you can realize your own conclusions like the devil's after them with anything and everything they possibly can throw at him. So are we going to protect them? Are we going to do our job and value them, right? Make them feel loved, make them feel safe, right? If they want to work, great. Let them work. They want to have a job, let them have a job. If they don't, you get a second one if you need to, or you downsize, but you let her do whatever the heck she wants to do. She should never have a financial burden on her. She should never have to carry the things that we are supposed to carry. Amen. Father, I thank you for every amazing woman that is in this room from all ages, God for the moms and the grandmothers, and, and I thank you, Lord, for, for each one of them, God. We bless them today, God. Lord, and as men, we just, we repent from having ever objectified any woman at any point in our lives. We say, God, forgive us when we didn't understand and when we didn't see and we didn't value and we didn't realize that that was somebody's mom or daughter or sister. God, forgive us, Lord. And I pray for every man here that we would have a new value, a new appreciation, a new zeal and sense of protection over the women in our life, God. I pray for every woman here, God, and I ask you to bless them. And today, God, that they would feel so, so loved by you, that that love, your love as a father, would be more than enough to make them feel more than enough. Thank you that all of you, all of you right here today, just, you are beautiful, you are strong, you're amazing, you're enough, and you're equally powerful, but you are distinctly different. So I bless you today in your differences. I bless you today in those differences, because we need those differences. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.